Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. So what do a tick and the Eiffel Tower have in common? They're both parasites. That's good, that's good. What do you call a fish in a bow tie? In a bow tie? Sophisticated. Yeah. So I have a truck. I've had this truck now for several years. And I wake up in the morning. I put my key in the ignition of the truck. I turn it on and it starts. I mean, I do a little... little I change the oil, take care of it, you know, at the best of my ability. It's got some dings on it. It's got a, a front bumper that I, I hit a I hit a garbage can backing out of the garage. So it's got a dent in it. It's got a dent in the back of the truck. It's got some scratches in it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But when I get in the vehicle and I turn it on, it, it turns on. When I put it in reverse, it goes in reverse. And I back out of my driveway, I put it in drive, and it gets me where I'm going. And it does that not nine out of ten days. It does it every single day. So my truck is reliable, right? It's reliable. That's the word we've used to describe the scriptures is the Bible is reliable. The Bible is reliable. So we're not trying to make it into something it's not. We're trying to make it into what it is. The Bible is reliable. So would you stand to your feet in honor of God's Word? And uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, you're going to want to leave your Bibles open there. We're going to come back to this a little later on. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. We also have the prophetic message. And by, by the way he's talking prophetic message here, you need to understand that he's talking about Old Testament scriptures, the writings of the Old Testament. He's not talking about the New Testament because he's writing the New Testament. But he says, we have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And, and what, he's, what he says in, in the Greek, I like reading it, the old NIV translated a little better. And what they said was, we have these prophets, we have something more reliable than the prophets. And that's what he's pointing to is we have, this is reliable, but now we've got something more reliable. And he says, you will do it well to pay attention to the message, the reliable message, as to a light shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the who? Come on, say this with me, the who? Morning star. Morning star speaks of who? Jesus. Until the morning star rises in your heart. So that we have these scriptures and they're what? What are they? Come on, everybody use this word. This is an all skate. So if you need to grab somebody's hand to do it, it's an all skate. That means ever, if you never went skating and know what an all skate is, it's not just boys, it's not just girls. It's an all skate. So everybody can say this. We have the, the prophetic message of something completely what? Reliable. It's reliable. About half of you participated in the all skate. That's so disturbing to me. But anyway... Uh, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray now. God, would you open up our hearts, that our hearts would be open to the message you give today, and that we would see that your word is reliable, and that we would be open to hear the message of the scriptures we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody and give them a big smile and tell them, it is so good to see you. If you're online, hey, so good to see you. <clears throat> Can you turn me down just a little bit? I feel echoey up here. 
like I'm echo, 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 echo. All right. So there are a lot of misconceptions about the Bible. First of all, there's ignorance about what the Bible says. We talked about this last week. Um, you know, the Bible does not say, by the way, the Bible does not say, um, spare the rod, spoil the child. Now, it gives something like that, but it doesn't say that. So if you heard that and you've quoted that as a Bible, it's not right. Anybody ever heard a preacher talk about, God will cast all your sins into the sea of forgetfulness? Anybody ever heard the sea of forgetfulness? Anybody wave at me if you ever have. All right. All right. So you see all these people? They heard it. I'll give you $100 if you find it in the Bible. I'll give you $100 if you find sea of forgetfulness in the Bible. It's not there. And it's been quoted as if it's there, but it ain't there. You know why it, it ain't there? It sounds good. Now, it says he cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. Yeah. D there's all kinds of things that are in there, but see if forgetfulness isn't there, and yet you thought it was. So do you know what I want to challenge you to do? I want to challenge you to read the Bible for yourself. Because we have a lot of ignorance about what the Bible really says. Second thing, we have ignorance about the origins of the Bible. That's what I spent last week talking about, is how specifically, remember I didn't talk about the Old Testament because I drew this, like, this is the cross, and the Old Testament is all of the scriptures that came prior to Jesus, and the New Testament are the scriptures that came this way, and the Old Testament scriptures are people trying to understand God through his struggle of developing a nation, the nation of Israel, and there are prophecies that tell us there's going to be Jesus come out of the people of Israel and what it's going to look like and all that's up to the Old Testament. And that's reliable. Yes, we know that's reliable. But I, I'm a specialist. I spent most of my time studying what it means to have the New Testament. That means uh, after Jesus was on earth, there were a bunch of people that wrote letters about how do we live with this new revelation of who Jesus is. And I went to great lengths to prove to you last week that these words we have of the Bible are reliable the way we have them. And you can read this and know that the message of those who wrote reflecting on the life of Jesus is a reliable thing. Secondly, uh, so then there's ignorance about the origins of the Bible, but we talked about that last week. And then ignorance of the purpose of the Bible. And that's what we're going to talk about today is there's a lot of ignorance about the reason we have a Bible. And then uh, ignorance of how to interpret the Bible. And we're hopefully going to do a lot of that. Those, that's what most of the questions I heard were about. Um, can I take just a second and fill you guys in on some information? Would you all give me, even if it's going to take a couple extra minutes? Sure. All right. There, there are, I think it's 12 books that are included in the Catholic Bible called the Apocrypha. Those 12 books, if you've ever read them, which I have, I've read them, and I will tell you they're useful for understanding history and the time period between about 380. Actually, most of those books were written somewhere around 160 to 180 AD or BC during the uh, Maccabean Revolt. And they're useful books, but they're a little weird, a couple of them, and they're not included in our scriptures because they're obviously make-up stories, a vast majority of them, or the history of the Maccabees is like unending. It's useful, but it's unending, and it doesn't carry the same inspiration as scripture, which you can tell from a casual reading. Somebody also asked about the book of Enoch. Did you know the book of Enoch is quoted, I think, four times in the New Testament? Did you know that? So why don't we believe that the book of Enoch is inspired? Why isn't it included? 
included in our Bible? Very simple, because if you've ever read it, which I have, it does not carry the level of inspiration of the scriptures we have. And you can tell that because they're makeup stories, and, and really it's sort of fanciful out there weirdo stuff, especially the book of Enoch, even though it was influential, because I have quoted C.S. Lewis a lot, but I would not consider C.S. Lewis equal to scripture. Are y'all following me here? But C.S. Lewis is very useful. Are, are y'all following me? The book of Enoch is very useful for understanding the time, as is Maccabees and Tobit and Susanna and those books. They're very useful, but they're not equal to Scripture. Does that make sense? All right, good. I took a moment to answer that question. Hopefully, this one will be online. All right. So, uh, in this sermon series... We want to focus on the origins of the Bible and then the purpose of the Bible. Last week, we talked about the origins of the Bible by saying the words are reliable. The words we have on, in the scriptures are literally reliable. They're a reliable witness of what was communicated by the first century authors and the apostles that attested to it. Secondly of all, today we're going to talk about the words are the message is reliable. The message is reliable. So let's talk about the message of the Bible. A lot of people think that we got this Bible through what's called dictation theory. And dictation theory is this, is that God spoke and the guys that were writing it did. But that's not how the Bible was written. It wasn't a dictation that they were like a secretary dictating what God said. And I'll show you, I'll give you an example of that in a couple of minutes. But that dictation theory that God spoke word for word, and this is literally word for word, the, the scriptures from God, this is God's literal word for word. It leads to an aberrant view of God and an aberrant view of the Bible that leads you away from faith. That's, by the way, the, the Islam, uh, Islamic uh, religion says that every word in the Quran is perfect. So if you can find a problem with the Quran, you undermine their faith. Same thing with Mormons. They say theirs is perfect. Their, their scriptures are perfect. Um, by the way, the Bible never makes that claim that it is a perfect book come down from heaven, word for word, what God said. The scriptures we have never makes that claim. So if you think that about it, it's because somebody lied to you. This is not an idol to be worshipped. It is a message to be listened to. Are you following me? So, I'll, I'll give you a direct quote. This quote is from a guy who's defending the scriptures. Okay, this guy's defending the scriptures, and this is what he said. He said, I've spoken to hundreds, possibly thousands, of sincere believers in Jesus who assume that Christian faith, the Christian faith, and not simply Christian faith, but the Christianity that they know as their faith, as they know it, perceive it, and practice it, came directly from heaven, bound in black leather with the words of Jesus already in red. And there is a view of the Bible that this is, boom, come down out of heaven, and there is no humanity involved with it. And I'm going to tell you this, that if you hold that view of the Bible, you obviously haven't spent much time with it. Here's why. In Mark chapter 2, verse 26, Jesus is quoted as saying that Abathar was the priest when David fled from Absalom. 
But actually, if you go back and read 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 8, it wasn't Abathar that was the priest. It was Ahimelech that was the priest. Matthew 29, 7 attributes the 30 pieces of silver that, Jesus, or that Judas betrayed Jesus for. It attributes it to a quote from the book of Jeremiah. But yet, it's not in Jeremiah that that quote comes from. It's from the book of Zechariah. Hebrews places the golden altar of incense inside the Holy of Holies in Hebrews 9, 4. But in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 30, verses 1 through 6, that uh, altar of incense was outside the Holy of Holies. Now, hold on. I just gave you three examples of some place where the literal factual things that you read in the New Testament are different than the facts of the Old Testament. And if you have this Bible fell from heaven dictation theory, then you are disturbed right now in your spirit of how can I ever trust the Bible? How do I know any of it's true? And if this disturbs you, I will tell you, you have probably built an altar in your hearts to the Bible rather than to God. And I want to challenge your idolatry. Stop worshiping the Bible. Now, I've already told you the words of the Bible are reliable. And by the way, I gave you three simple ones. I'm not talking about the big ones. <laughs> and I'm not going to bring them up. Talk to me later. We'll talk later. All right? They're big ones. They're issues. And you see, what happens is when you hold this dictation view of the Bible, there are so many people departing from their faith in Jesus right now. And every time I get close to somebody that's departing from their faith in Jesus, what I find out is they have made an idol out of the Bible. And when they find out some things like Ahimelech, Abimelech, they go, oh no, God's not real. And I want to tell you, you do not have to have that view of the Bible to believe that it is an authoritative, inspired word from God that gives us direction for every part of our lives. If you have that view of the Bible, what winds up happening is this is an atheist now that wrote a book called Misquoting Jesus. Absolutely wonderful book. All the facts are true. All the facts in the book, Misquoting Jesus, are true. Here's the problem. His take on the facts are all wrong. I've read the book now twice, cover to cover, and I will tell you his takeaways are wrong, but his facts are correct because it is possible to know, know facts but miss truth. He says this, the only reason, now he's an atheist, and this is what he said, the only reason I came to think for God to inspire the Bible would be so that his people could have his actual words. And if he really wanted people to have his actual words, surely he would have miraculously preserved those words just as he had miraculously inspired them in the first place. Given the circumstance that he didn't preserve the words, the conclusion seemed escapable to me that he hadn't gone to the trouble of inspiring them. And I want to be very clear with you. There is no reason to abandon your faith because you question some things in the Bible. If you'll let God, God can show you the reliable truth of the Bible. Didn't we already say that the words are reliable? 
And now we're going to talk to you today. I'm going to talk to you about why we have a Bible and what the purpose is. But I have to finish my deconstruction here. Y'all ready? Before I can reconstruct, I got to tear some junk out of the way. Do you know there's only three times in the Bible that God wrote anything? The first time is all the way back in Exodus 32. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands. There they, they were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. So what Moses did, he came down with two tablets that the finger of God had written, right? And as he's coming down the mountain, he looks down in the valley and what does he see? He sees the children of Israel breaking all of these commandments. Are y'all following me? Right. So he there break the commandments. So what does Moses do with those original tablets? Come on, what does he do? Somebody tell me. He does what? He breaks them. It's a symbolic act of God's word being broken because God's word is being broken. Are y'all following? Do you know what would have happened if he would have brought down those Ten Commandments inscribed by the finger of God? Do you know what would have happened to him? Some of those people would have broken at night and scratched out the one they didn't like and written something over the top. That's why God didn't give us a message written in stone because the one time he gave it written in stone, it was broken while they were writing it, while he was writing it. Are y'all following this? So, we have another time that God wrote. The second time was on Nebuchadnezzar's wall. It's in Daniel chapter 5, 5. Suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall. So there was a, a hand that wrote on the wall. And do you know what it wrote? Meeny, meeny, tekel, peri. Why did it write meeny, meeny, tekel, peris? It wrote it because he was saying, uh, you've been weighed in the scales and you're found wanting, so judgment is coming today. And by the way, by the time they finished reading that, the enemy was at the gate and by the next day, no, we don't have the plaster of that wall. Do you know why we don't have the plaster of the wall? Because the judgment it prophesied fell upon it and it was burned up within 24 hours. Do you get this? That every time God writes... The people mess it up within a very short time period. How about this one? The third time God wrote was the story in John chapter 8 verse 2. At dawn he appeared, speaking of Jesus, again in the temple courts, and there all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group. By the way, I thought adultery required two people. Anyway. You notice that people want to make, people want to make uh, Bible all about condemning people. Always want to condemn the one they want to condemn and leave the other one alone. Be careful about being legalistic because you wind up, yeah, anyway. So anyway, they brought the woman because they could pick on her. And they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman, not the man, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now, the law of Moses, the word of God, commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using the question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. <coughs> but Jesus, he bent down and he wrote in the ground. Now, you can't miss this, okay? You can't miss this. God himself, how did he make humanity in the first place? He reached down and took what? dust, dirt. And out of that dirt, he made humanity. Don't miss that God himself is condescending down to humanity, coming down to the ground and riding on the ground. God himself 
who wrote the law is now writing. Come on, he wrote the law through his prophets. Come on, we'll talk about that in a second. But it's God's word and, and God himself is now writing. By the way, what did he write? You have no idea. His, his point wasn't to write. His point was to write in the dust. Because the word of God is never fullest fulfilled when it's written on stone, but it is fullest fulfilled when it's written in the dust of our hearts. Come on. He wrote in the dust and they kept on questioning him. So he straightened up. And what did he do when he straightened up? He said to them, let any one of you that is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, what did he do again? He once again condescended. He showed his willingness to participate in humanity by once again stooping down and writing on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. So Jesus straightened up and asked her, said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, she said, sir. And notice what he says. Come on, this is the message of God. This is the message of God. I don't condemn you. Now let's get out of your destructive behaviors and move into your future. Are y'all following that? I'm not condemning you. I stoop down to make you. I stoop down to write. I stoop down. I'm not here to condemn you. The words of scripture is not here to condemn you. It is here to tell you this. Leave that behind and step into what God made you for. And I don't know about you. I had no voice when I stepped up here earlier. I had no voice earlier. Wow. Isn't this the way God always interacts with us? Come on. He doesn't condemn you, but he invites you into what he made you for, which is to get out of that sinful, destructive behavior and into his best. So the scriptures, what they are, is the scriptures are God's word mediated through the words of men. I believe we have this for the screen. They are the words of God mediated through the words of men. Do we have that? The words of God mediated through the words of men. So remember we talked about the Old Testament. There were men, men writing scriptures trying to figure out what Jesus would look like. And then in the New Testament, they're figuring out what does this mean that we have experienced the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So God spoke through men. And these guys didn't all of a sudden gain the facts of the entire universe. What happened? Well, they were, car- well, uh, let's read it. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 19. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Remember, we talked about that. The purpose of the Bible here is to bring you to faith in Christ. Now notice this. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scriptures came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For... Prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I need a young man that's healthy and and not too big. Help me out here. I need a healthy young man that's back isn't going to give them some grief. Is there a young man in the room? Come on. Micah, can you help me? Are you healthy? This stud helped set up chairs the other night. What a man. No, he's a man. This isn't a young boy. This is a man. Him and a whole bunch I'm in here helping. This guy stayed with me the whole time. All right, you're going to be my prophet. You're back healthy enough to handle this? Yeah. Okay, you're going to be my prophet? All right. 
So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something a little crazy here. Oh, oh I'm going to stretch. All right, give me your hand. Give me your other hand. Are you ready? Oh, man, you're, you're heavier than I thought. Uh-huh. All right, all right. You're going to be my prophet, so speak to these guys here. Tell them good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, all right. Tell these guys. Ask them how they're doing. How are you doing? Great. Yeah? Yeah? All right. Come on, Mike. Show your personality, big guy. <laughs> Tell them you like the shirt. I like your shirt. Thank you. What, what do you like about it? I like purple. Nice. All right. Did I tell him to say I like purple? No. 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 Okay. All right. All right. Got it. You ready? For it? Say hi, Pastor Israel. Hi, Pastor Israel. Hi. Yeah. You can converse with him. It's all right. All right. He said all right. All right. Did I tell him to say all right? No. 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 Hey, talk to this guy. Tell him. Tell him hi. Huh? Hey, and his wife there. Good. Hi. All right. I, need, I needed a little bit more personality in a minute here. All right. But thank you very much, Micah. All right. All right. So here's, here's what happened. Y'all ready? There were twice there in that when I was carrying him around, we were talking, right? That he said things I didn't tell him to say. Like, I like purple. I didn't tell him to say I like purple. I told him to say I like your shirt. shirt. And then I asked him why. And he said, because I like purple. Are, are y'all got that? Did I tell him to say that? But did, as my quote prophet, did he say what, was he communicating the way I told him to? Absolutely, but it was his words. He was telling the people I told him to say hi to and communicating what I wanted. Are are y'all following me? All right. The prophets, why do you think then, why would you think the Bible doesn't have the personality of the people writing it in it? There's personality all over it. You don't believe it? John says, in the book of John, he said, me and Peter ran to the tomb, but I outran him. (laughs) Do you think that that fact needed to be, God was saying, John, you make sure you say you're faster than Peter. Do you think God told him to say that? No? But you mean there's a little bit of John in that writing? A little. A little? Oh, wow. So... So what makes you think that God all of a sudden took these people's brains and they went, when they're writing the Bible, their personality comes into place, which explains why Paul is writing to Timothy, a guy who's been controlled by women his entire life and says, it's in the text. I ain't making it up. I ain't making it up. I can show you from the Bible. And Paul says, To Timothy, I don't let a woman push me around. That's basically what he's saying, right? Is that that Paul's view? Well, heck no. Everywhere Paul went, Paul empowered women. (laughs) You need to read your Bible, people. Come on. Paul empowered women everywhere. But when he was talking to somebody that had a problem, he talked to them like a, a father would talk to his son. Hey, quit letting women push you around all the time. So what we've done is we've taken that passage and you know what we've done? We've made stupid out of it. Why do, I, why do I use these things? Because I want you to know that the words of God come through the words of men. By the way, that's not undermining what Paul says because let me tell you, if you've got somebody pushing you around, you need to stop letting them push you around. You need to listen to God. 
So what's the purpose from this passage? The purpose of the Bible, remember, let's go back, is to bring you to faith in the morning star, all right? So I wonder if the Bible says that anywhere else. I wonder if the Bible says the purpose for the Bible is to bring us to faith in Jesus. Well, let me see. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 15. How from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in whom? I'm just wondering what's the purpose of the Bible? To bring you to what? Faith in Jesus, to give you salvation through faith in Jesus. And then it says, all scriptures God breathed. So what does inspired mean? This word God breathed means inspired. And, and I don't, all right, let's just do without breathing the rest of the day, all right? What, what happens if you do without breathing the rest of the day? You're dead, right? All right, can we agree on that? So the Bible is to be the breath of God breathing into us. A little, little test here. Anybody in the room, you've ever like heard a scripture or read a scripture or in your devotions read a scripture and it said exactly what you needed for that moment to comfort or give direction to you. Anybody in the room, raise your hand high, real high. Wow, look at this. Do you know what that means? It means the Bible is? It's alive, it is inspired, it is God breathed. Notice that I... How do we know the Bible is God breathed? Because it speaks to us in our moments of need and weakness. And what did it do? Did, when, if the Bible really talks to you, did it say, yeah, abandon God? No, what did it say? Let's fix this so that you can get rid of the condemnation and move into the fullness of what God made you to be. So do you guys notice there are some commons about the Bible? The Bible's not meant to be, well, I'll handle that in a second. All right. So all scriptures God breathed. And what is it useful for? It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants you to be the best you he made you to be. And if you will listen to what he says in this, you will find it. All right. Once again, what's the purpose here? Remember, it was to bring us to faith, the salvation, all right? Then, uh, how, I, wonder if, I wonder if there's another time in the Bible that we find the purpose is Jesus. Hmm, maybe Jesus said something in John chapter 5, verse 39. You study the scriptures because you diligently think from them that you got this rock fell from heaven and you think, notice he's talking to the legalistic, you think this book is your power source and your authority. And he says, no, no. This book testify about me. Yet you who know the Bible inside out refuse to me, come to me and live. So one of the questions I would get is, if the Bible's God's word, then why can we have thousands of denominations and differences? Let me tell you how. Because people read it not to let Jesus in their heart, but they read it like that to control other people. Because real simple faith is going to do this. It's going to say, God, you got it. I want it. Y'all with me? Y'all awake? All right, good. So, Bible is not basic instructions before leaving earth. Have you ever heard that? It's cute, but that's not what this is. You know what the Bible is? So years ago, guys, listen to me, especially younger ones. There was once a time where there were no cell phones. Believe it or not, all phones were attached to a wire. 
And long distance calls, long distance calls were 25 cents a minute. 25 cents a minute. You want mom and dad to get ticked off, you just spend 30 minutes with your girlfriend on the phone long distance. And no, mom and dad be cutting the phone line, right? All right. Believe it or not, there was once a time where there were no internet. And computers, a Commodore 64 with 64 meg of memory was this stinking big, right? 64 meg, you got more memory than that. You got five times the amount of memory that in your phone. And there was a time there were no internets, computers, you couldn't carry them around in your hand and there were no phones. So you know what you actually, I went to Taiwan. I went to Taiwan. And you know, there, there is a way to communicate with people in another country without internet and without phones. Do, do you know what it was? Writing a letter. And I had just started dating Pastor Robin, and me and her, we're like, oh, you know, starry-eyed goo-goos. We're writing letters to each other. I was getting two to three letters a week. And you know, I kept every single one of them. Do you know why I kept every single one of them? Even the one she wrote me that yelled at me, and it was so hot when I picked it up, my fingers burned, because I had written something stupid the previous time. Do you know why I kept them? Because it was her communication with me. This is not an instruction manual. This is a communication of God's love and purposes in your life. It is reliable for that. And by the way, it'll keep you from sin if you'll pay attention to it. And it'll help you be the best you God made you to be if you listen. So the Bible is reliable. The question is, what's our response? So let's handle this quick. There are four common wrong responses to God's word. So let's say dad makes a rule. The rule is this. No more cell phones at the table. No more cell phones at the table. No more. We're not doing it anymore. He makes this rule. You know what you get? You get the defiant. And what does the defiant do? The defiant is under the table texting. Right? I don't care what the word says. I don't care what dad says. I'll do what I want to do. Then there's the defendant. I know the rules, but I'm looking for an excuse to do what I want to do. Oh, I need to answer this because blank, blank, blank. Or, oh, I need to go to the bathroom so I can look at Instagram. I don't know. There's the defiant. There's the defendant. Then there's the obedient. I know the rules. I obey it the whole time, though, I'm saying I'm mad at dad for making the rules, right? They do it, but not with a good attitude. And then there's the compliant. What's the compliant? I'll do what I'm told, when and how I'm told. I don't really care about anything except just not making waves. By the way, this person is the person that says, the Bible says that, that, that uh, I believe it, that settles it, Right? That's a person that's compliant, but yet they've never wrestled with the fact of why did God say this? And I will tell you that the defiant, the defendant, the obedient, and the compliant all fall short of God's purpose for you because the dad didn't make the rules so you wouldn't use the cell phone. The dad made the rules so you would communicate with him. Are y'all following me here? God did not give us a Bible. So we can beat other people up with it or beat ourselves up with it. He gave it to you to bring you to life in relationship with him. I showed you that from the Bible, did I not? So, but anybody ever read anybody on Facebook in these arguments or talk to anybody that's an atheist and they're always misquoting the Bible or saying things about the Bible that the Bible doesn't say? And I'm, I'm like, dude, I don't know where you got this, but that's stupider than stupid. 
And if saying stupid is wrong, all right, you're an ignoramus. I, 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 I listen to people handle the Bible and they have no intention to know God or know anything about God. They just want to make rules or they want to defy God. And I want to tell you, and I want to be very, very clear. I want you to be so alive in these scriptures that God talks to you through them. All right. What happens is, if, if you don't handle the scriptures right, Jeremiah 8, 8 becomes truth. It says, how can you say we are wise for we have the law of the Lord when actually the lying pen of the scribes has handled it falsely. If you're going to lie about the Bible, if you're going to lie about what it says, and you're going to make up excuses to do what you want to, why not just say, I don't like ketchup? Because one excuse is as good as any other. So the purpose of the rule is that God wants relationship. And all of his rules are not there to burden you down and to kill you. First John chapter, come on, man. First John chapter five, verse three and four says, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. So God didn't give you a Bible to mistreat you, but to give you life. One final thing I want to say. The typical view of God is that God gave a Bible to smack you into line. But instead, God gave you a Bible to invite you in. Yeah, invite you in. Now, I thought about how to end this today, and I thought about 50 different ways of doing it. But yesterday morning, the Holy Spirit started talking to me. So I called Pastor Garrett and said, we got to end differently today. And then this morning at 2.40 a.m., I was wide awake praying for this service and the Holy Spirit made very, very clear to me how we're supposed to end. God is inviting you into relationship. He stooped down to the ground. He is talking to you. He is inviting you out of your condemnation, out of your brokenness. He is inviting you into his fullness and his restoration of you as a person. That's what he's inviting you in. That includes physical healing. That includes spiritual renewal. That includes getting your family right or things with broken relationships. It, it includes your need to get your finances met or get a job. or I don't care what it is. God wants to restore you. He wants to stoop down and write in your heart and bring life to you. And what I wanted us to do today is I want us just to be a little crazy. It is Pentecost Sunday and I didn't know that until this morning like an idiot. I thought it was two weeks from now. Let me tell you what. I, I, Y'all are right if we get a little crazy Pentecostal? You know, I am still Pentecostal. I am crazy. And uh, I think we can call upon the name of Jesus and ask him to stoop down and touch our situation. So what I'm going to invite you to do, and in just a second, we're going to stand. Everybody's going to stand. And if you have a need and you want somebody to pray with you, I've got my anointing oil, and I'm not going to pray a long time, but I'll walk past, I'll anoint with oil and pray with you. They're going to be prayer team members. They may come along beside you and lay a hand on your shoulder. But if you want somebody to pray with you this morning, you want to pray, you want to touch Jesus, you want to say, I need a change in my world, I'm going to invite you when we stand up to come to this front. We're going to pray for you right now, and we're just going to seek Jesus at this altar, all right? So would you stand to your feet? And if you want somebody to pray with you, you want me to anoint you with oil, just come on up right now.